When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tis the season for festive football, and the best way to watch it? Down at your local Green King Sports Pub, of course. After all, Christmas is a time to catch up with friends, old and new. So get the team to your local for refreshing pints, delicious food, and live action of every Christmas cracker. Every fixture from TNT, Sky and Amazon is live at Green King Sport. That means wall-to-wall action on our huge HD screens. Head to your local Green King and watch every winning goal, top bins, volley and dodgy VAR decision in an atmosphere worth sharing. Download the Green King Sport app and you'll receive 10% off drinks every single time there's sport on the telly. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Tottenham Hotspur fans around the world and welcome to another Spurs show. It's Theo Delaney here in North London with much to contemplate, including, oh what fun it is to see Tottenham win away. Three points snaffled from the city ground where Kulu's form continued to be scintillating and post-operative Richarlison got his third girl goal (laughs) in two games. But... Basuma managed to get his second red card of the season. We're not even halfway through. While another yellow for Udogi means that they will both be suspended when we welcome inform Everton at the weekend. The Toffees have won four on the bounce. Meanwhile, Tottenham Hotspur women saw off nailed on favourites Arsenal 1-0 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with a stunning team goal. So not a bad weekend all round. To help me jump through all this festive fare are three excellent guests. First, welcome back. From the I newspaper, journalist Kat Lucas. Hi, Kat. Hi, Theo. Good to have you back. Also here, prolific Spurs TikToker Ben Bowman. How are you, Ben? Thanks, Theo. me on. No, it's good. Good to see you, mate. And long-serving Spurs show stalwart Sean Singleton is back in this his sixteenth consecutive season in the squad. All right, Sean. Season's greetings, Theo. Yeah. Yes. I don't look a day over sixty. <laughs> Well, I, I you can probably tell listeners that there is a general air of yeah, pretty cheerfulness here, I would say. And it's not just that it's Christmas. It's not that but some of us may have been at the uh, Christmas sherry, I don't know. But we've had a good weekend. As I said, two victories uh, in one weekend ain't bad. One of them away and one against the old enemy. Uh, let's start. Uh, let's do it chronologically. Let's talk talk about what happened at the City Ground on Friday. I watched it. I mean, it was it was one of those away games where I never, I never, I wouldn't say I ever felt relaxed watching it. I was pretty tense almost throughout. Um, but we prevailed. Quality outed in the end. Ben, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was one of those ones where it never felt like it was going to be easy. I kind of said before the game, I thought it was going to feel a little bit like Palace away, and I know. It's an easy comparison. It was a Friday night, but it felt like one of those games where we were going into it as favourites. Obviously, Forest haven't been in great form and there was a lot riding on it for them. Um, And the way we started the game kind of felt 
a lot was almost the antithesis of that really in the sense that we started on the front foot really well probably should have been one up within the first couple of minutes or so if some buries that chance and I think it's a completely different game but you know we did it more the old-fashioned Tottenham way did it the hard way but I think the most important thing was we got it done it was a kind of a bit more of a gritty performance I thought we kind of I'm sure obviously get on to Basuma in more detail but I thought we battled pretty well with 10 men um I was actually more impressed I think with the performance after that um other than some real standout players like Kulusevski outstanding again as he has been for the last couple of months um but yeah, we we did it. We got it done the hard way, but we got it done and that was the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, particularly good to get a clean sheet, which is a very rare thing for this particular Tottenham team. I mean, it's almost like we've yeah. always we've all accepted that we're almost always going to concede, but we didn't concede. So defensively, I thought we were impressive. I mean, Davis continues. I mean, this is probably the form of his life. I mean, what do you think, Kat? I mean, he, he's absolutely... If you, can you remember him playing better? I, to be honest, no, and it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's he's he's been in so many positions as well. So he's he's come in at centre back, and I know people used to say that oh, he can play centre back for Wales and play in a back three, but I don't think it's something he was overly comfortable with. But it does feel like you know since Postecoglou's come in, people are willing to adapt and people are buying into the system so heavily that you've got guys like Ben Davies who maybe didn't know where he was going to be playing. But then they've all bought into it so much that, yeah, he's, like you say, he's in the form of his life. Yeah. And um, it's funny with Postacoglu. Again, it's like the mark of a really good manager that we're just when you think a player is like, nah, it's not really good. He will suddenly bring them out of themselves and, and make something of them. In a, a completely, it's a completely different case. But Richarlison, just when we'd all finally given up, reminds me of Sissoko. Remember when we all just finally just forget it, forget Sissoko, and he suddenly came good. It was really bizarre. Suddenly, Richarlison, just when we've even me, because I've been really holding out for Richarlison to come good, but I'd more or less given up. Suddenly, three goals in two games. Sean, did you see that coming? Uh, I I did think he'd score. I mean, it was a brilliant cross, wasn't it? it? In a way... You know, Kula was playing well before um, Johnson got injured. So obviously, he moved to his position, didn't he? So if Johnson got injured, does he put that cross in or do, and even score that second goal? But it was a peach of a cross, and mm. he took it really well. Uh, and, and going back to Davis, I think with Davis, Gary um, Neville mentioned that, you know, Spurs have got a lot of kind of uh, players are quite reckless. It goes apart from Son and Davis. And I think one thing about Davis, he's so calm, isn't he? So that yeah. he's just very calm on the ball and he just plays it safe. Uh, he doesn't give the ball away. He's been amazing. I didn't know that was, I didn't think he could have done what he's done, to be honest. He's a decent pro, but I think you're right. I think he's been there 10 years and this is the best period of form he's ever had. Yeah. And who would have ever thought? I mean, you know, he was always, you know, he's not a player, he's a player that, it's just so sort of solid and ordinary is what he's always yeah. been. And all of a sudden, he seems like really, really important. I mean, he's re- he really is, in a game like that, is exactly what you need, isn't he? Because he's a, he's the absolute quintessential solid professional. But um, discipline's a problem, isn't it? Discipline is a recurring problem. I mean, Udogi's is going to be suspended for the second time this season. And Bissouma's it's his second big suspension and second red card suspension of the season. I think I've even had a suspension for accumulated yellows actually as well as that. I might be wrong about it. I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm right about that. Um, 
incredibly, miraculously, Romero didn't get booked. But if he had, he would have been suspended yeah. again. And I can, I would bet my house on him getting booked against Everton, who are a very niggly, tough, nasty team. Do you think, I mean, you look at the, this Postacoglu kind of revolution and we're all like basking in the wonder of it and we love it. Uh, and I've got nothing churlish to say about it at all except possibly this discipline thing and whether he needs to get a hold of it. Because, Kat, you can't keep losing players who are as important as Romero and Basuma for, for, for great chunks of games, can you? Yeah, I think with Basuma as well, it feels a bit like, you know, it's like one door's opened and others closed. You know, it's such an important area of the pitch. And you finally think, oh, you know, that there's going to be people coming back in the new year. But I think, yeah, I think that's his third ban of the season. So. Yeah. He's, he's now he's got four games and then obviously he'll be going to AFCON. So it's it's basically you likely won't see him again until sort of Feb. And it's yeah. just it's someone someone that we couldn't afford to lose. And I think, you know, it was potentially slightly unlucky, you know, and but it was needless because you know, but we were tuning up, so there was there was no need to do it. But yeah, I don't know, it's a it's a weird one, isn't it? Whether it comes from that mentality of, you know, have a go, put a foot in or you know, I, I don't know if there's anything to do with sort of this new identity or if you, if it potentially like, you know, with Romero, he's, he's whoever the manager is, it's been the same, yeah. same thing, hasn't it? So I, I don't yeah. know if it's just kind of the, the personalities that we've got in there, but yeah, it, it is something that's, it's going to start costing them, particularly, you know, if you've got all these absences anyway, and then you're throwing in every couple of months, you know, you lose Basuma again, you know, it's just something you can't afford to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real problem, and in fact, uh, you know, you, you know, when when any of when your players get sent off, you nearly always because you uh, you know, of course, we're all biased, and you look at red cards, and you you find yourself making a case for them and saying, "Well, it's a bit harsh." I mean, you know, what how what's he doing sending? I really could make no case for him here at all. I mean, if you actually looked at it, the guy's coming towards him, and he's diverted his right boot, studs up, and made connection with him comfortably above the ankle i mean how you know you you'd have to be a hell of a lawyer to make a case for him there in any court i mean he was absolutely banged to rights and you just think that's insane and actually the team has looked at its best as we know with um i think anyway with basuma and sar as the double pivot as we like to say in modern parlance obviously uh madison ahead of those two is what you really want but to and, and you know you lose a player like Madison to injury. Sars Sar's had a couple of injuries, and you know what can you do? But they, these things are avoidable. These suspensions. I mean, it's it's mad. I mean, I wonder if he gets fined. He presumably gets fined, doesn't he? Sure, they usually get fined for red cards. Probably. But what's so so annoying with it? Going back to Ben Davis gave him the ball, and Ben Davis literally points to the keeper, right? Right. So, Play safe, right? Game yeah. management. We're winning 2-0. Mm. And he drops a shoulder and he, and he does a high-risk move, miscontrols it, and clatters into Yates, which was the only good thing because I thought Yates was a disgrace. Absolutely. Yeah. See you next yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. 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 We come on. He, he was giving imaginary cards all throughout yeah. the game. and yeah. Never, never oh. got booked. Yeah. Um, but it was exactly what he uh, Basuma did against Man City. We just got back in the game and he, he's he got a safe pass to a doggy and he tries to yeah. nutmeg someone and he's surrounded by three players. So, yeah. So yeah. he, I mean, shouldn't, he shouldn't even try that move. He just all we had to do was keep the ball for five, ten minutes, and the game was done. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. but you know, maybe that is something to do with the Postecoglou thing because yeah. Postecoglou, one of his very you know famous sort of things that he says is, 
if you try stuff, even if it's in your, you know, our third of the pitch, if you try stuff and it doesn't come off, I'm not going to criticise you because I want you to try and play. I want you to play. I want you to and express. Not all the time, though. Not no, I know, but There's maybe that's what's in that's what's in Basuma's head. Is yeah. I could just pass it back to the keeper, but I'm a really good player and I could drop my shoulder and beat him and start something. We could score a third goal. And, and, and you know, a lot of the time he will be able to do that. And he's, that, he's certainly good enough. But, of course, as you say, it's very, very risky. And, unfortunately, it's all very well doing it and making a mistake. That's fine. But then going in stats up because you're thinking, oh, no, what have I done? And no, also, that's not part of the also, plan. Also, a better team would have scored. That's oh, the yeah. other thing. They would yeah, have, yeah. He would have given a goal away. Yeah. Got- Got sent off, and then a better team would have scored that goal, and then we would. Who knows? It could have ended up being two, two, or, or yeah. Or you concede a so, goal and get a man uh, sent yeah. off at the same time, and you're only a goal ahead. That could have been absolutely catastrophic. In fact, even towards the end of the game, with just ten minutes, I'm thinking, remember Wolves, remember Wolves. You know, we yeah, were winning. 100%. Yeah. So uh, it was yeah. a bloody relief actually to get out of there with the points. But uh, having said that, you know, I do think that it was uh, a big plus how well we played on the whole defensively, especially when we had 10 men. I mean, and there's a whole team that makes a contribution to that, isn't it? Because although we were backs to the wall a lot, which are going to be having that outlet of Kulu uh, on the form that he's in, you know, yeah. to be able to give it to him. And he, he, he's, he's such a good all rounder, isn't he? Cause he's, he's bloody tough and sort of stocky. So he can really hold it up like an old center forward. But he's also got the tricks, doesn't he? He can beat he can beat players. Uh, he can put a great cross in, which he did for obviously with Charleston's goal, and he can finish. I mean, it's funny because he was so good in those in that first half season when we got him. Last season he just wasn't as good, and this season he's just slowly, slowly going, getting back up to that level. And now I feel like he's back to that top level. What do you think, Ben? I actually think he's playing at a higher level than he was when we first came. I think it was one of those things where when he first came in. He was the shining light for that second half of the season alongside Sonny because we didn't really have that level of quality throughout the team. Whereas now, at the start of the season, it was almost going under the radar a little bit because we'd had a few fresh faces through the door that we all loved and Mickey van der Ven and Madison. But I think he's one of those players that's really stepped up in huge moments for Tottenham. Like you saw it at Man City with that header. He's just like, he's a Trojan of a player. Like he'll just take players on, but he'll take players with him as well. Like that header at the Etihad. To go yeah. to leap above Ake like that. Yeah. And then to sort of bulldoze his way through against Forest. Like that Forest game kind of showed you everything that he's all about. The quality on that cross was was so good that Richardson any touch it's one of those ones where as long as Richardson does his job, gets in between the two centre halves, any touch on it's going to take it in because it's kind of going that way anyway. And he whips it in with so much venom. And the second goal, although Matt Ryan, who had a really poor game, I, I said it. Me and my old man were watching it in the first half and I said that he's, he's passing out from the back. is shocking. Tottenham will get a chance at one point throughout the game. Mm. And it came and Kulisevsky took it. And although Matt Ryan probably should have done better, um, Matt Turner, sorry, not Matt Ryan. Um, he, it, the, the way he, he took that chance with such conviction that even if it was straight at the goalkeeper with the power that he hit it at and the step over to t- take it away from his man was, um, was brilliant. And uh, he just gives you... He's almost kind of like a bit of an enigma in modern football because you look at wingers, um, say like take Jeremy Doku, for example, at Man City, who's quick. He likes to take his man on. A classic more one-on-one kind of dribbly winger that I think a lot of fans have almost been crying out for at Tottenham. Kulizewski's a little bit more, I'm not sure if he's more of a throwback, but he's just more certainly of like an enigma in the sense that he's so physically powerful, but so agile at the same time and so fleet of foot. Mm. His first touch is 
one of the best in the league. His kind of his output is right up there now. He scored five goals this season, two assists. Um, and people will compare him to someone like Bakayo Saka because that's a natural thing to do, similar age, play for the two teams, you know, rivals. And it's like, they're completely different players. And also, you've got to remember, Saka takes penalties. And if Saka didn't have those penalties, Kulusevski would have scored more goals than him. But it's one of those things where he's just... I love him. Ever since, I mean, Sean will know, ever since he kind of first came in, we, me and Sean kind of both really raved about him. And I can think of so many games off the top of my head that he's just stood out massively for us and delivered in big moments. And the scary thing for us as fans, but also for opposition fans, is he's only 23 and he's yeah. only going to keep getting better and better. And I think he's so... He looks you 33. Yeah, I was exactly. going to say, yeah, it's very easy to forget. It's yeah, very easy to forget some... how young he is. Yeah, he looks somewhere between like a teenager, but also someone who's in their mid-30s. He just like, he's got, like you listen to him speak after the game when um, Sky brought him over and he was chatting to Neville and Carragher. The way he speaks with like such maturity is just, you yeah. want to listen to him all day and he's just like, he's so committed, got so much quality and I think he's a gem. And to think we only got him for, what was it, 30 million at a reduced yeah. Price yeah. as well is yeah. just crazy. So yeah, yeah. But well, him and him and Bentico were getting nowhere at Juventus, weren't they? They were they were just yeah. not getting in the team, which is hard to imagine, really, isn't it? Because they they are both top top class quality footballers. Yeah. I mean, two of the best buys pound for pound I can remember in a many a long year. What I thought was one interesting thing that um, Postecoglou did because he's so regarded by you know the wider media as somebody who is just compliant, completely gratuitously gung ho. Sometimes people seem to suggest that, and some of his selections and decisions do do seem to suggest that. But it was interesting, I thought, that when um, Johnson had to go off, which was sad, given that he was on his old um, stumping ground there, uh, I felt sorry for him. Because he's been also improving, I think, Johnson, which was, he was always going to take time, you know, new and young. But I was quite intrigued that he brought on Skip when he could have brought on Hill, who he's picked, you know, to start a couple of games. Or even if he was really feeling, you know, attack minded, he could have possibly brought on Donnelly, who he's slowly been introducing. But he brought on Skip, who I thought did very, very well. Did that surprise you, Kat? Or did it, did it make you think actually he's a bit more, more pragmatic than, than people give him credit for? Yeah, do you know, I think he might have done similar. It was I don't know if it was the it was either West Ham or Newcastle, but I remember Skip coming on and thinking like, oh, you know, that's a little bit more conservative than you mm. would expect. Mm. But yeah, I don't I don't know if it's one of those because I think that's the thing that he's people have warmed to him because he does he says all the right things and he's got all these little sound bites about, you know, we're gonna play the Tottenham way and, mm. and things like that. But you know, he's he definitely doesn't have the naivety about him that I think is sometimes Assume because you, you know there's things like that that high line against Chelsea in the four one. Obviously, mm. you can look at that and go, oh yeah, you know we we, we didn't stop playing the way, way we wanted to play. But there's also a touch of well, you know it was it was a bit daft with nine men. But I think you know so there's there's two sides to it. But I think yeah, yeah. there's definitely a there is a pragmatism about him as well. And I think it was the same at Celtic. You know they they played amazing football, but if you look at their cup finals, their kind of pivotal moments of the season, there were moments when he knew to to rein it in a, a little bit as well. Mm. Yeah, I think Skip is um, improving as well, actually. I think he's getting more out of Skip. I thought Skip played well, and it was quite interesting. He seemed to give Skip uh, licence to get forward. He seems to do that. And Skip's got a great engine, hasn't he? And actually, maybe he's one of those players that we've sort of put him down as a sort of engine room man, a sort of meat and potatoes back of the midfield guy. Maybe maybe there's more to him than that. I've been thinking about, you know, how um, 
what's his name, McTominay has suddenly turned into a number 10 at Man United. I mean, who'd have ever thought that? And he's scoring goals for fun for Scotland, you know, against big international sides. I wonder if Skip's got a bit about that, a bit of that. What do you, what do you think, Sean? You've seen a lot of these meat and potato players over the year. Do you think uh, he could end up being a kind of more like a caviar on a blini? Uh, I, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I, whether he's um, an Ange long-term prospect, you know, he, he's, 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 he's like Ben Davies, isn't he? He's a decent pro. He's going to give you 100%. Uh, yeah, I thought, he, I thought he did okay. I thought Hoiberg, actually, apart from the first few minutes, when he came on, did really well in terms of just keeping the ball and almost making some chances right at the end. Yeah. And I think we are becoming a bit more pragmatic because, you know, the way that we lost to Wolves is the one that really sticks in the um, in the throat. It was just a bit cavalier and wasteful, whereas against Forrest, you know, uh, with, with 10 men, tough, tough crowd, we took a short corner and wasted a bit of time. And, and mm. generally, just a few more things where we're being see out the game. It's just kind of almost we're learning. He's learning that the Premier League is brutal. And like, you know, yeah. if you give people chances, they will take them. Uh, and a better team on Friday would have taken them. Do you know mm, what I mean? They and... did have some chance. I mean, you know, Basuma was a bit sloppy in position, uh, possession. Saar gave the ball away. And, you know, mm. other teams will, t- will will punish us. The other thing, going back to discipline, I think a lot of it is high. We play a high-risk game of football. So, obviously, Basuma and Romero aside, I think a doggy just does last desperate tackles. Do you know what I mean? Because they're in, you know, it's almost like the high risk football means they have to do a lot of those last six tackles and you're going to get some wrong. So maybe that's just a cost of what you have to do. Um, yeah. It's interesting though that Ben Davis doesn't pick up. I mean, that, that must again be a, 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 an experience thing. Yeah. He just doesn't get, doesn't get, find himself in those slightly desperate situations yeah. so often. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And he's also very, obviously just very calm. You can imagine he's a, he's a very sort of sensible bloke isn't he do you know what I mean he doesn't get emotional and angry like um like Romero does um, yeah but I tell you what, the red card was fair but we had like five or six yellow cards Yates yeah, was, was going, yeah Jakes was kicking everyone yeah he, was, he got He's horrible he got a doggy yeah. book by waving a yellow card which I thought yeah. that was a book in these days then he did it again uh, Porro got studied and the commentators were laughing at him. Oh, we'll be running oh yeah, off. So I hated he, that. That was unbelievable. And he, and he never, bollocks, weren't they, about And that. they kept going back to it and he was yeah. still limping. I didn't yeah. say, do you know what? We got that wrong. He obviously was yeah. hurt. Pathetic. And, um, and then um, Kulu had his mask on because of his broken nose. He got kicked in the face. I think yeah. that's by Yates as well. They kind of missed yeah. that as well. Yeah, so that thought, Yates is, is a thug. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And how oh, I think it, I, I think it's amazing how players get away with that shit. There's because yeah. there's a lot of players like that in the league. I mean, people point the finger at Tottenham and say Romero. Well, Romero's slightly different. I mean, I don't think he's a thug. I think he's more like a cold-blooded psychopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'm not saying that's a better thing, but he's he's almost a bit of thing. He's he's that you can't help it. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I think they were they were very dirty physical. I think teams do do play very. They seem yeah. to play more than I've noticed in in seasons yeah. gone by. I do think teams tend to want to kick us. Partly that's because. I think they know that certain of our players can be wound up, Romero being the obvious example. But more, I think it's because they look at how we go about winning games and it's about playing football and running at us. Yeah. And and what's the you know, they're not they don't feel like they're gonna beat us in a game of football, so they're gonna have to kick us. And well, the the thing is the referees should be should be on that. Yeah. And they're not. 
Bentacle against Villa. I mean, it wasn't just that one tackle. Totally. Yeah, was, yeah. Because it was he was targeted, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah like, because they yeah, can see this guy's pulling. Yeah. This guy's pulling the strings. Well, He's take, a quarterback. We need turns, to if we get rid of him, we've got a chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so annoying. Yeah, it was yeah. disgusting. Uh, and and there was that a, sort of stuff. If we can see it, and if it's obvious, I mean, the trouble with co-commentators and stuff is they always like to. They actually almost like to embrace kicking and elbowing and, oh, you know, he needs his arms to sort of like, you know, to elevate. And what a load of bollocks that is. What, in thin air? Let's yeah. not get Gibby Lee. And, oh, well, I'm sure he's not that sort of play. wouldn't have mean. But yeah. so they always forgive it. But referees, if we can see it, referees should be looking at that and saying that is a, that goes again. The whole point of these refereeing committees and policies is to stop teams w- winning by cheating. And they, they eliminate things, you know, like I love. For example, I love that that guy got sent off for Man United yesterday for dissent. You never see it. You know when a, when someone gets a yellow card for dissent yeah. and he starts, you, know, you fucking wanker referee, yeah. you're a fucking blind bastard, gets a yellow card and he thinks, right, I've had a yellow now, I'm going to have a free one now. You are a yeah. fucking total fucking. And then I always think, book him again. He's mm. you booked him for it and he's keep carrying on, book him again. They never do it. Yesterday he did it and there was absolute astonishment. Like uh, amongst the commentariat in, back in the studio, they're going, what's, what's, what's that about? He's shouted at him, he's booked him, he's shouted at him again. I can't believe it. he's booked him again. Of course he's booked him again. If you do it once you get booked, why wouldn't you get booked twice for it? And I like that. I like the eradication of d- dissent generally. I think that's an important thing. And time-wasting as well, which, again, the co-commentators and stuff, sometimes they're like, oh, blah, oh we're going to be here all night. It's really working. How many times have we sat? at home games and watch teams like Newcastle and bloody Burnley or whoever else have yeah. got a goal lead or even just, just scores level ruining the game, yeah. you know, yeah. basically cheating by time wasting, but also, so you're ruining the game itself, but you're also basically robbing 60,000 people who pay good money to watch a football match, not to yeah. watch them bloody, you know, pissing about while they're taking a throw on. So, yeah. These things are good, but if they can look at those things, identify them, and then take action to eradicate them, why can't they do it when it's clear that a team is going out to, you know, reduce the opposition's potency by kicking them? I mean, that has got to that has surely got to be the next thing. I mean, that Bentancur thing is a really good example where they should have seen that, and he should have said, yeah. right, they're obviously targeting this guy for very obvious reasons. We're going to have to start yellow carding them quick, and that's that yeah. will stop it because what yeah. they know that one of them will get sent off. Yeah. Ran over. Yeah, I tell you, other another rant with the worst bit of punditry was like you know after ten years of the media trying to sell Harry Kane. Do you hear what Gary Neville said at the very end? Spurs yeah. fans enjoy it because uh, you know he's he's incredible, uh, Pastor Coglu, and I think you know City could do well to have him in two or three years' time with Pep. Oh goes. my God! But now you're going to try to get rid of him. Also, I didn't months. hear that. Yeah, oh my God! He it was fans, right at the end. It was right at the end. It's- Enjoy yeah. it while you can, he said. Oh, I nearly punched the TV. It's like, make your mind up, though, with Gary Neville, because he spent the first few weeks of the season talking about, you know, yeah, like, we don't really know much about Postacoglu. It seems like he's just pop- copying Pep Guardiola. Yeah. And then he was one of the first kind of, you know, 
kind of uh, had the flag for Tottenham being naive. And now all of a sudden in the last couple of weeks, I think it's kind of since that City result, he's completely changed his mind yeah. on Tottenham. And yeah. it's like, I really enjoy watching Tottenham. I think that's why I know Carragher had a little bit of a, there was that pantomime stuff with Porro during the commentary and he was kind of leading that. But like, yeah. I feel like Carragher has been one of those pundits that's actually backed us the whole way through the season. Mm. Yeah. So I don't actually mind listening to him as much. But with Neville, he just flip-flops on Spurs. And it's like, when we had Pochettino, he used to really like us. And then mm. towards the end, it got a bit sour and he kind of just put us down again yeah. and I think part of the stuff at the start of the season was almost a reflection on how bad Man United were that it was almost like looking at us and it was a bit of jealousy that it's like mm. they've got the sort of manager yeah. that we actually also yeah. we've got the manager they want um, yeah. and maybe it was a little bit of that with a few other teams as well but it's just like the, I, I don't know it I'd, obviously, it's really nice to hear praise for your team in the media, and after, especially after a gritty result like that, it's really good to hear. Because the two minutes of that monologue from Gary Neville before that were amazing. It's like, we've yeah, been saying this yeah. all season, mm. and then he just throws that in at the end about Postacoglu yeah. going to City. It's like, yep, yeah, thanks, mate. We, didn't know, we had enough of that last few years. Try yeah. you trying to ship off Harry Kane to Man City. It's, such a, and it, it, it's a complete lack of imagination, isn't it? Just trot that yeah. out. Every time someone's really good, you just say, well, it'll be up to me. I mean, come on, yeah. you earn your money, mate. Let's have a quick break. For premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews, and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. There's a special Spurs show merchandise available, new t-shirt designs, including a Posticoglu tribute and a host of other eye-catching merchandise. Check them out and be the envy of your friends. Our monthly London live shows are well up and running. Uh, it's a great time to sign up at season.spursshow.net. On Jan 17th, we've got Terry Naylor coming back. Uh, on March the 20th, we've got a Special Spurs show evening with Paul Gascoigne. Uh, so the cost of your season ticket would be half repaid with that event alone. For individual show tickets, check out the link to the description of this podcast, or rather in the description of this podcast. You can now get Gazza tickets as a Christmas present for yourself and a loved one. Follow us on Facebook, X and Instagram. Please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, by the way, there will be Spurs shows across the festive period. On Friday, we release part one of the Clive and Paul Allen show we recorded recently at Dingwalls in Camden. And that was a great night and Clive and Paul were, were brilliant. So I recommend that. That comes out on Friday, part one. Uh, we'll also be recording shows on December the 27th and the 29th, looking at our Christmas games for you. And we also hope to release part one of our three-part Terry Venables special around New Year's Day. And one other thing, on January the 22nd, we'll be recording the show at the Antwerp Arms because that night sees the launch of Julie Welch's new book, Double Acts, A Modern History of Spurs in Ten and a Half Strike Partnerships. So she's looking at the great strike partnerships. She's looking at, like, you know, Grease and Gilzine and Crooks and Archibald, etc. Uh, it's a great book. And I'll be interviewing Julie about it and she'll be taking questions from the audience as well that night. So that's January 22nd. It's a free event, but you do need a ticket because it's limited uh, capacity and the tickets are available for free at eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. OK, we're back. So let's talk about that incredible game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because, I mean, nobody gives... At the moment, Arsenal and Chelsea are the big powerhouses of women's football. Manchester City have come into the reckoning as well, all, all because of money. 
Uh, Liverpool, Man United are throwing money at it now as well, and it, I and it is said that Tottenham are going to try and become a force as well, and are starting to do it properly, spend money on bringing players in. We've seen that. We've got a good manager, and uh, the culture of the place, football-wise, is being dictated brilliantly by uh, Ange at the top, and they're all trying to play the same way through the youth teams and in the women's team, which is great. Having said all of that. Nobody gave us a prayer against Arsenal. We were going great guns. I mean, they are uh, they are historically and in in the current um, right now they are one of the top women's teams, probably you know club sides in Europe in the world. And we didn't just beat them. I mean, fair enough. They were they had most of the game, but we put in the most brilliant gritty performance, and we scored a goal of extreme high quality and a goal that had Ange Postacogli stamped all over it you felt certainly uh, a lot of people thought that what a cat what did you make of it oh yeah it was, just, it was mad wasn't it because like, like you said I think we've never beaten Arsenal in, in the WSL so it's it's that it's kind of it would be momentous anyway even if we'd like lobbed it up the pitch and got one in but the, the style of the goal it just you know, Robert Villahan, you know, he's, he's spoken a lot about how he wants to emulate Postacoglu. And, yeah. And it's a bit of both. I think that's why he's there. You know, they went for him. He's, he's a bit similar in a way because he was at Hacken in Sweden. Um, right. And he came in, no one really knew who he was. He wasn't kind of one of the big names that people had sort of linked with them with. So it was one of those, you know, they were talking about all this ambition and, you know, they want to play this way. And then he came in and it was like, well, it's a bit of an unknown quantity. Um, but again, he sort of stuck with it. You know, they lost, I think it was 7-0 to City a few weeks ago. And that's yeah. when it started to look like this is not going to be the season and this is not the time to be playing like this. Mm. But then you've got, you know, people like Ashley Neville or Grace Clinton, like the way they played against Arsenal. And they're doing this without Beth England as well. Beth England's not back yet. So yeah. doing it without their sort of main centre forward. And you, it's good to see that you can kind of see the same identity in the men's and the women's teams and, you know, this is an Arsenal side that beat Chelsea a few weeks ago as well. So, yeah. you know, yeah. anyone before that game would have said they're, you know, nailed on for the title. So it's, it's probably, I'd say probably the biggest hit, the result in Spurs history, if anything, mm-hmm. if anything. It sounds a bit of a, you know, big thing to say, but I don't think they've ever had, other than going up to the WSL in the first place, I don't think there's ever been a moment quite like this. Mm. And brilliant that it happened at the same. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I, I, there's one thing I hate in football: it's watching Arsenal win. And if it's uh, and uh, and obviously, you know, this is the most obvious thing you could ever possibly say. But watching Arsenal win against Tottenham is absolutely totally unbearable. So I looked at that game and I thought, I'm not. Gonna, I'm just not going to watch that because I don't want to see us turned over badly on our own ground against them. And so when I felt such an idiot, obviously, when I found out what had happened. And then when I saw the goal, oh, I mean, just just uh, stunning. But how far, you know, they're ambitious, aren't they, Tottenham? How far do you think, I mean, it's become very competitive. How far do you think they can get into that top uh, elite group? I think, yeah, it's going to take time. And mm. I know that the, the goal is, you know, maybe sort of the next five years to be sort of getting into that sort of top three or four. I think this year, kind of top five or six would be a, a good aim. I think mm-hmm. the, the difficulty was they had that season where they massively sort of oversold themselves. You know, they did so well and people weren't expecting it. And then mm. last year nearly went down. Mm. So it's almost, it was, again, they were this kind of, how good are they? And and you've seen it with Villa as well. They did the same. You know, they looked like they were going to really challenge and kind of break up the big, big three or four. And then they didn't. And, you know, they've gone the other way, if anything. 
So mm. it, it takes time. But again, I think they've got the sort of the process there. So, you know, even if it takes two, three years, they've got the blueprint now. They've got a, a bit of a game plan, which I don't think they really had when they first went up. It was almost it, it came maybe a little bit early. People didn't really know what to do with it. And there wasn't so much of a five-year plan, whereas I think now kind of at all levels of the, the club there are. Yeah. And you get you wonder you slightly get the impression that they're taking it more seriously at the top, where they're seeing it as part of the sort of strategy, the business strategy. Whereas before they felt I, I don't know, this is this is how it seemed, but it felt like some clubs thought, Oh, we oh shit, we better get a women's team, we better do it. I mean, Manchester United were ages before they even had one, didn't they? Yeah. But then you start to think now, you start to think, oh, well, actually, this is part of any modern forward-thinking, proper, serious football club has got to take its women's team very seriously. And and you start to feel like they're going to do that, which is a wonderful thing. That was one of the, the one of the best things, obviously, about the about Saturday is that it took place in in the stadium, you know, which was which made it so fantastic for the players and the fans and everything. And it was good turnout as well. It was a good crowd, wasn't it? Yeah. Um yeah. Let's move back to the Premier League and talk about what we've got coming up. Uh, obviously, Christmas beckons, but in just before that, on Saturday, we have that rare, lovely, traditional thing, a 3pm home game. Amazing. Um, against Everton, who have suddenly <laughs> they got stripped of their 10 points and they've suddenly turned into the Invincibles. They've won four on the bounce, although... They haven't been the toughest games. They did they thrashed Chelsea, didn't they? 3-0 and... Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle as well, yeah. yeah. Newcastle, yeah. They haven't conceded a goal in December. Yeah, yeah I mean, they've crazy. gone... This is like... This is like Sean Deitch, like, on... Uh, 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 you know, on rocket fuel or something. He's the ultimate... <laughs> he's basically fulfilling it. This is what he's always dreamed of, isn't it? A team that does not concede, yeah. wins every game, is like a machine... It's only squared, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, exactly. He's, um, it's amazing. But, of course, these runs always come to an end. They have to. They've always. And you would expect, from his point of view, this is the toughest uh, assignment. And I think they've got a couple of players out, or they have had. Branthwaite was out, who's there, the one that everyone's talking about uh, in the centre of their defence, isn't he? And Yeah, it's been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder whether, uh, I mean, the trouble is Udogi is a player who is is one of those key players that we've got who is irreplaceable. There's nobody to play in that position like he plays. So one, one assumes you'll get Emerson Royale come in, who is a willing player, that's for sure. He certainly gives it everything and he's, he has things to offer, but he is not he does not the, of the same class as Udogi, purely as a footballer, in my opinion. And... Um, he is prone to mistakes as well. So that's a worry. Basuma being out is a worry. Interestingly, one of the things that he did, of course, on Friday was he brought on Skip before he brought on uh, Hoybier. So I wonder which of those two he'll plump for to sit in for Basuma. Do you have any particular view on that, Sean, who he might go for? Uh, I, I prefer Hoiberg. I think just he's a better all-round player, more experienced. I think the worry for this game is, we do, as we've said, we do give away silly free kicks. A lot of free kicks, yeah. which Forrest couldn't capitalise. But Everton are very, you know, they're good at set pieces. Sean Dice builds on that. They're a big team as well, aren't they? Mm. Um, so if they score from a set piece first, I think it's going to be a, well, it's going to be a tough watch anyway. I think it's gonna be a, they're not going to concede many <laughs> goals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm a bit worried about it, actually. I think it's going to be a, quite a hard game. Uh, we just need to... I say this every game, you know. Uh, I know. We've, got, we've got to score early. But I think this <laughs> one, we've got to score first and early. And so they have to come out a bit. Um, yeah. I mean, the pattern is that we go out and we tear teams apart for 20, 25 minutes, yeah. don't we? And uh, And then yeah. normally score one and then lose. Yeah. But yeah. recently, no, we've yeah. scored. We've scored and then gone on to win. Yeah, the second goal is uh, almost more important than the first these absolutely. days. Absolutely, I, yeah, I really definitely. think so. I really think we normally worth two goals by after on pure yeah. by any measure by by what you're seeing, but also on things like xG and the shots, yeah. both on and off target. And it's important, yeah, to get a couple. Uh, and this team. The thing about Sean Dyche is, I keep, I often because because you can fear him, especially when he's on a run. When he was at Burnley, it was the same. You think, oh, no, yeah. it's the Deitch team. Oh, Christ. And they're on a really good run. Oh, shit. And they're but, horrible. But they can. Yeah. Remember, yeah. Burnley went down in the end. In fact, they went yeah. twi- down twice under his stewardship. And yeah. although he'd been sacked just slightly before they went down last time, but it was basically his team. So you have to try and pull yourself together and say, for Christ's sake, pull yourself together. They're not bloody Brazil 1970. They're they're a really they're a prosaic sort of a team, and that those are the teams you get, and you can get at them. And I I remember that time where we absolutely murdered them five nil. Do you remember when Son scored, yeah, and won he won the Puskas Award with that goal? But you know where he runs the full length of the yeah team. So I think we can if we come out and get at them. Uh, I think they've probably got slightly better players than he used to have at Burnley by virtue of being a slightly bigger club. But Definitely. I think if we can get out and get at them, maybe we can. You know he's fit, don't you? It's Deli Alley. Well, I say he's fit. He's definitely training. It's too yeah. early. It's too early for him. They can't play him anyway. It cost him ten. Cost him ten million quid if he plays again. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, it's lovely crazy, to see that? the lad, though, wouldn't it? We love him. Mm. Uh, let's, I'm just having a look at the lineup here and thinking, you know, the, the danger men. Well, Calvert Lewin's fit, and he's having a run yeah. of games for the first time in ages, isn't he? And he's obviously yeah. a useful centre forward. He did come off the yeah. end. On Saturday, uh, that uh, McNeil's getting uh, rave reviews, isn't he? Because Dyche had him at Burnley, and he's really yeah. seems to be getting the best out of him. Yeah, he's who, been quality. Yeah, who? Anyone particularly worry you, Ben? I think Dwight McNeil is probably the one because he's one of those players who some of the goals that he's been scoring recently. There was a goal that he scored away at Forest, and the way he hit that half volley with that technique, he's one of those players in the um, Everton team that one can hurt you on the break because he's kind of got that long stride. And I think that's kind of where the first goal against Chelsea for Everton came from, um, where Decore kind of rifled in off the rebound after McNeil played Calvert-Lewin through. So McNeil worries me. Calvert-Lewin's obviously a presence in the box. And obviously we know that Romero and Davis, if it is Davis that carries on at centre-back, whether he's pushed out to the left-back or not, obviously with no Adogi, um, that worries me. And obviously from set pieces as well, there are... They're a threat, but the midfield battle is going to be very, very interesting because Decore is someone that's been playing out of his skin for Everton recently. And I think he's a player that, because he's been there for quite a while now, um, and he's kind of seen almost what the good was supposed to look like for Everton and gone right down with them to where they are now. He's a player that their fans kind of really get behind. They've got Anana in midfield as well. So it's a big physical um, midfield. They've got water carries in there, but also they've got kind of quality um, as well to go with it. So... That will be an interesting matchup because I don't think from some of the stuff that was coming out today, Lo Celso, I don't think is fit. So you'd imagine that it would probably be Hoybier and Saar in there with Kulusevski yeah. 
um, the furthest forward option in midfield with Johnson back on the right. Because I'd imagine Johnson's fine okay. to play. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't it was a gash, wasn't so, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't concussion. So yeah, he should be fine. So I'd imagine it will probably be Hoybier and Saar in there as kind of that double pivot. And um, I think you're going to need Saar's legs particularly. I think Saar, it's really frustrating with Basuma because I think Saar's been making Basuma play a lot better as well since he's come back into the team and he's such an underrated part of that. I think that was what his performance against Newcastle was all about Saar, just getting about the pitch, mm. kind yeah. of shutting down their really physical midfield as well. Like they Remember, they had Joel Linton yeah. um, and Gimma Rice in there as well, two players that like to put it about. Yeah. So he's had that kind of test already in the last few weeks. And I'm sure he'll be bang up for it. I, I thought he was quite sloppy on Friday, but again, that's probably the the only poor game that he's had this season. So um, that's how I'd imagine Spurs would kind of put it in midfield. But Everton... They are a team to be feared as well. Like when you know what their their fans are like as well. When they get behind them, that when they want to get behind, them, they really, really will. And it will be it'll be a tough game on Saturday. I really think it'll be tough. But I think we we've got the quality to come for it. Um, and we should kind of try and put the opposition out the window as much as we can, really. Yeah, I'm just looking at this uh, early team news, and I think Branthwaite actually might be back. Uh, so that's 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 a bit of a blow. Yeah, he's been superb. He's been really, really good. I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of an outside bet for the Euros. To be honest, he's one of those yeah centre backs because we look, we need centre backs at England. Yeah, yeah. we've been and Tottenham as well. Yeah, and Tottenham. Well, Tottenham absolutely desperately need to buy a centre back. We've been linked with Gordon, who's the guy who stepped in for him at the weekend. Who's not? Who's been out of favour with uh, Deitch, but is. I mean, he he nearly went to the last. He, went, he nearly went to the World Cup, didn't he? He was in the big squad. He didn't quite make it. And I think it was the World Cup, or it might have been the Euros before that. But he was certainly Godfrey. When I say Gordon, I mean Godfrey, don't I? Yeah, not not like Godfrey out of Dad's army. <laughs> He'd be useless, wouldn't he? <laughs> but no, this Godfrey is quite good, I think. Uh, but he's only just got back into team. I think Grandthwaite's going to be back, so he'll be out. But I mean, Spurs could be going for Godfrey, according to rumor. Um, but if Branthwaite plays, yeah, they'll be solid. I, I think Mo, we can get at any team attacking wise, though, can't we? Because we're so fluid that attack. If you look at the just look at the personnel. If you look at Johnson, Son, uh, Kulishevsky, and um, uh, Johnson, Son, Carlson. and Richardson, yeah, that is a lot of energy and buzzing around, and and you know that's a lot to deal with for any defense, isn't it? So I think we'll give them a, especially Richardson being rejuvenated. Do you think they might have put? You know, we had that small procedure; they weren't very specific about. It. Do you think they might have put something in him? <laughs> something, you know, like the I don't know something bionic or something. Because I I think he's I think he's completely different. Mm. Also, it's, it's, it's old, old club against Everton as well, so he will really yeah. want to score against them. Yeah. So that, yeah, they loved him, by the way. Yeah. That was one of the things that made me stick with him, is that Everton fans kept telling me, we love yeah. him, we will always love him, he kept us yeah. up. It wasn't Frank Lampard, yeah. it's Kelsey Breeze. <laughs> yeah. Kelsey he, Breeze, it was Richarlison. He does look uh, to be moving like a lot freer, though, Richarlison. I yeah. think that's one of the things I thought against Newcastle that went under the radar was his actual performance. It wasn't just the goals. I thought the way he yeah. sort of dropped deep, linked up the play, he gets stuck in, which I like. He Tackle, did that a lot tackles. against Forest. It's yeah, brilliant. Was, like, yeah, it's just tackles. like... His tackle against Forest were fantastic. It really yeah. sets a tone, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, I think that's something that's kind of gone under the radar a bit in the last couple of games because he's actually scored. We've always never, you know, we've never fought with Richardson's kind of effort or desire. And that's yeah. one of the things, like you said, they're about... The Everton fans, that's why they kind of always love him because he does, yeah. it's not for the want of trying at all. But, yeah. you know, when you've kind of got the quality that he obviously does have within him to go with it as well, you are looking at someone who's pretty 
pretty dangerous. So yeah, like Sean said, he'd obviously have a massive point to prove on Saturday against his former team. Yeah, yeah. Any what, what? How do you see it going, Kat? I'm yeah, I'm I'm deeply concerned. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect, that, perfect actually, Spurs yeah. show response. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it to be honest. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to have to insist. <laughs> Aside from that, no, I, I think like you say, like like Ben says, like it's, it's that first 20 minutes because I think I think it was the Villa game that that was what cost yeah. us. You know, we had all those opportunities, and it yeah. was a, that classic thing of you know you're watching Spurs thinking they'll score. You know, we'll lose this now because we we could have mm. been sort of three or four up with and them. West Ham. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. so many. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's one of those. I think yeah, it's it's the midfield that is a bit of a loss. You know, with Basuma out, and then mm. yeah, like you say. you Having Dakura making those runs, even like that, is it Dobbin, that the young guy, yeah, you know, they're, yeah, they're sort of having that that similar thing with, and I think that they've almost busted a bit of a myth because when they when they got Dyche in, they thought you thought oh you know you know how they're going to play, but they've actually played some good football in the last few weeks as well, like you know in spells mm. they're not just a kind of archetypal yeah. Dyche side, Long so there's side, yeah. They can cause issues, um, but I think yeah. I mean, the, the way that our our attack is at the moment, and and I think the thing with Richarlison is it's like it's easy to say that he's a confidence player, and I think he is to an extent. You know, the last few weeks he's obviously got something back, and I know he, and he had those sort of off-field stuff, didn't he, that he spoke about a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. So there was obviously stuff going on behind the scenes as to, to why he was playing the way he was, but. Mm. Yeah, even if you look at him without all that stuff, the way he moves now, his movements uh, got a lot better, and mm, and obviously yeah. now the outputs there as well. And it, you know, that's it, it, he's a hard one to stick with at times because there were yeah. moments where you were thinking, you know, you you put him on, and it it's it's almost like you haven't got a number nine or a ten there, you know. So, yeah. but yeah, it, it's the, these last few weeks. You hope that this is the the moment that he's going to kind of seize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the time's come for us all to potentially make complete fools of ourselves and make predictions uh, for this game. <laughs> Cat's trying to; li- she's actually literally trying to leave the room. No, Cat, you're gonna. I'm gonna have to insist, but I'll, I'll give you some time to think about it. I'll come to you last. Sean's an old hand at this. What do you think, Sean? How's that game going to end? I'm going to go for a gritty two-one to Tottenham Hotspur. Of course, yeah, <laughs> Ben. Yeah, I'll second that. I'll go two one as well. Okay, and cat uh, five nil. I'm, I'm going for it. Yeah, there we go. yeah. No, I think yeah, two two nil two one. Two nil two one. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm going to say three nil. I just think it'll be horrible. But then we'll just. I think in the end, we'll. I think maybe we'll score one early. It'll be horrible, horrible, horrible. We get a couple of late ones when they're having to come out of their shell. They are. That's just like a pointless work of fiction there that I've just created. Um, well, that's it. Things are quite good, aren't they? We've got we've got plenty to feel good about. We haven't got. We've, we, I feel like this has been an upbeat edition of the Spurs show, and I'd like to thank you all for that for bringing the vibes. Sean, thank you as always. Ben, sure. thank you. Cat, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to, all of you keep up the good work. You got stuff to plug. Anyone want to plug anything? Cat, plug something. Your work, your fine work on the iPaper. I'm just going to plug Oliver Skip on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> ben, you're on TikTok, of course. Yes, I am. And I'm also going to plug a brace for Richardson on Saturday. I'm going to speak that into existence. But yeah, I am I'm making Spurs 
nonsense content on TikTok at Ben Talks Football. Okay. So if you want to go and follow that, give uh, it a go. It's good. It's very, I, I, it's I like very it. good. It's yeah, very I like good. it. I like it. And thank Sean, you, guys. Sean, you've got a fabulous podcast, of course. Yeah. Uh, if you like, uh, if you're interested in the business of sport, then um, try out unofficial partner. And I will yeah. plug that Romero will get booked within the first half, <laughs> and we'll be just on tenterhooks waiting for that that red. Love it. Yes, well, that's that's the easiest prediction in the world. That one. That's, that's yeah. more, like, yeah. more of a statement than the obvious. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all so very much. This is Thea Delaney uh, in North London saying, "Go, you Spurs!" If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.